try to do something here and uh, see what happens. We'll, uh, I'm going to try and concise a little something. Uh, the Lord had just, over the last few months, had just kind of placed something in my heart that um, I've been working on, and so I don't, I'm going to try my best to not keep you too long. But I want to drive to a point. We have um, quite a bit of information, but we're going to try and get to a point. Uh, sometimes when I preach, I use quite a bit of information, and so this is one of those times, but I want to stir up the waters a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm good at that, stirring up the waters. And so we're going to stir up the waters a little bit. I want to talk about what if tonight. What if? What if? If you would go with me to the book of Second Peter. Second Peter, the third chapter. And somebody said, I already know what this is going to be about. Second Peter, the third chapter. And I just want to take out the eighth verse and through the eleventh. And uh, if you're there, but let not this one thing be hidden from you, beloved, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack or slow as concerning his promise. As some deem slowness, but is long suffering toward us, not having purpose, not willing that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. And verse 10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a rushing sound, and having burned the elements, will be dissolved. And earth and the works in it will be burned up. Then all these being about to be dissolved, what sort ought you to be in holy behavior and godliness? Looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of God. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you now, pray for an anointing. Lord, that we would be able to bear our heart in this. Lord, and by the time we're done, that it will have encouraged and strengthened us. And, and uh, Lord, we, we pray for thought. We pray that our hearts would be just opened a little bit. Even if it's questioned, Lord, that, that something will stir inside of our heart. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 The... Uh, I haven't heard a message about the end times in a while, and neither has our church. I don't preach too much on the end times, but we're going to tonight. And so the Lord just kind of helped me into a thing, and, and so uh, we'll stir up the waters just a little bit. Now, I, I just want to say this, and I always give a disclosure when I say something that, that may be taken wrong, maybe somebody doesn't understand, maybe somebody doesn't agree with. You don't have to agree with me. It's not... It's not absolutely necessary that you agree with me. But I'm going to present to you something tonight that, that I think is going to draw you and, 
and give you some thought, make you think about it a little bit. And, and so we're, we're going to talk about what if, out of the book of Second Peter, the third chapter. And the statement, what if, creates a possibility both ways. It could be a certain way, or it may not be that way. And so that's why I want to use this tonight. I, I don't want to come out with all certainty and demand on you to believe a certain thing. And so I want to talk about it in a way, what if, what if. European scholars once believed that the earth was flat. They imposed it on the people, all of their in intelligent people, their educators, all taught their students everywhere that the earth was flat. But somebody got a hunch and a what if. The man's name was Ferdinand Magellan. You that's been to school, study history, probably heard about him. He went from Spain to circle the globe. He had five ships, 260 crewmen, and he didn't make it back. In 1519, those ships set out with 260 crewmen and only one ship with 18 men, not including him, arrived back in Spain, and indeed, the world was round. But they had something in their spirit that wasn't satisfied. Do you know that we still have people that believe that the earth is flat? There's groups of them that try and prove the earth is flat. They haven't been on a plane flying to the Middle East or somewhere. They just... They just don't, it's not very, showing very much intelligence. But in that day, somebody came up with this idea, what if it isn't the way that the educator said it is? And stepped out to do something that actually risked their lives and they lost their lives. But when it was all said and done, they did certainly prove that their hunch of what if was worth questioning. And so during this discourse here, which I'm going to try to, to do shortly, I want to startle you. I want to bring some controversy, but I also want to encourage you because I believe God just wants to teach us to keep going on in what if, amen. There's something been in place in Christendom over 150 years and it's going to be challenged in this house today. I've done it sometimes. I have, uh, you know, kind of notorious for this. I try and stay with the scripture and, and uh, study a lot of certain things before I bring something like this out. But in the 1980s, there was a man named John Darby. How many of you have heard of John Darby? You may not have heard of John Darby, but you have heard of what he preached. He preached dispensationalism. He preached a rapture doctrine, and I would say tonight that I don't want to make anybody upset, but it was totally conjecture and interpolation, not interpretation. In other words, inserting his own thoughts and his own ideas, 
If you study history before the 1800s, you will not find anything about dispensationalism or a rapture doctrine up to that point. It was something that John Darby put together, and he preached it to the English people, and he preached it to to, uh, American English-speaking people, and along with him, his cohort in this was a man named Charles Schofield. And I don't know if you have a Schofield Bible. I do. Um, we kind of raised on Schofield Bible, just something that we took for granted. It's something that we believed. And, and then I began to see where the roots of it came from. And, and the teaching wasn't Schofield's. The teaching was John Darby's. But it's going to be challenged by the Apostle Peter in this sermon, in this word tonight. Peter's got something that I think is just a little bit better than John Darby. Can I get an Amen. To understand the end of a thing, if we're going to talk about end times, I always believe this, that we need to go to the beginning of a thing. So if we're going to work with teleos or the end of a thing, if we're going to work with eschatology in the end times, we need to understand the beginning or the RK. We need to understand the logos of God to understand what is at the end. I said the other day that when I was preaching, that, and this is a scripture that we all use, that God sees the end from the beginning. A lot of times we picture him as just going along as kind of a reactionary. Whatever we do, he reacts to it. Whatever we think, he reacts to it. The times and seasons and things, they all bring on the will of God somehow, but I don't believe it that way. I believe that God directed all things just like he directed there was a beginning. He will direct that there is an end coming to the existence of humanity. And where did he see that from? He saw it from the beginning. There's a lot of people waiting for a false prophet. They're waiting for a 666. They're waiting for a, a joint session of a lot of nations to come together, and, and then the Lord can come. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. Just like the birth of Christ had nothing to do with the alignment of nations. It was God's timing. It was God's logos. He put it into order. He established it before the world began, and then it will absolutely come to pass the way he has designed it. Can you say amen? And so in the beginning, God. God planned, he reasoned, he purposed. Prior to any creation, we find the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Amen? We find the firstborn of all creation. In the heart and mind of God, the lamb is slain, the firstborn of all creation. And there we also find the end. I've never really heard anybody speak at it this way. It's always, it's always waiting. It's always something that we're doing, something the earth is doing, something that nations are doing, something that people are doing to determine what the end is. And you all know that, that so many prophecies have gone out that, that the Lord's coming back on this day or that day and I stood in Kay's shop one day, and a woman said that, that the Lord was coming back September, I think, 28, 
1988. How many remembers that? The 88 reasons why the Lord was coming back in 1988. And I stood there and I said to her, you come back on September 29th and I'll see you then. She said, no, I won't be here. We'll be gone. The earth, you know, God's coming back. And I said, listen, I don't believe that because I do not believe that God has revealed to a single man to write a book and to sell it to people and get rich on that so he could tell when the coming of the Lord was. So tonight I'm not trying to set a a time or a date, but I do want to bring it close. I want to bring it close. I want to go back to the beginning because in in the beginning we see, and I believe if you look at God's preceding word, that God sets patterns in his scripture in what he does. He, he, he performs, Darren today talked about the numerology, which, which the Lord worked with in multiplying bread and fish. That was really good. I don't understand. He's an electronics engineer and understands all, everything about math. I don't know everything about math, but, but God does work in patterns of numbers in the scripture, and we see that from time to time. God works in, in number sevens, and, and he works with 12 and, and, and a lot of different things. But I want to go back to the days of creation. And I don't want to look at this real close and, and uh, try not take too, time, too much time again. But the days of creation, where do you think we got a week from? Since mankind knew anything, he's been observing a week. Isn't that amazing? Every culture, every nation... Observes a week. You go to Mexico. They observe weeks. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, the Jewish, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And other nations and other places, the week. Because God set a precedence in a week. And this week, uh, it was six days which God created. And on the seventh, he entered into his rest. And many believe that that the earth was made in six successive days. And now here's where I start to begin to get in trouble. Many believe that that it was six 24-hour days in succession that God created the heaven and the earth. And I'm okay with that because there isn't anything to say plus or minus on that. It doesn't say one way or the other, 24 hours. But, but let me just expand this a little bit. Psalms, the, the 90th chapter in the fourth verse And you're going to go out of here shaking your head a little bit. But Psalms, the 90th chapter in the fourth verse, for a thousand years are as a yom in thy sight. The English translation of that Hebrew word yom is a day. Genesis, the first chapter in the fifth verse, and the evening and the morning were the first yom. So let me expand on this a little bit. And, and the only reason why I do, want to do this is to kind of set a precedence for what we're going to talk about at the end. If God did something in the end, I believe he set a pattern, which he did in the beginning. And so in six days, and whether those were 24-hour days, I don't know. But if God compared a day to a thousand years, then it would be possible that God created the heaven and the earth not in six 24-hour days, but in six 1,000-year days. Don't throw rocks at me yet. Because I know that's something that, you know, man, don't touch that, Pastor. You know, we got that all established. 
I saw a, um, a debate between some preachers, and they began to discuss some things, and they got to a certain part in the, in the Scripture, and they were talking about it. It was Greek, and, and they were talking about it. And one man looked to the other and said, We're not discussing that. It's already settled. Well, what are we doing here then? Let's turn over the rocks a little bit tonight. Okay, is that okay? We're going to turn over the rocks a little bit. And, and if you want to believe 24 days, if you want to believe 144 hours of creation, that's exactly, hey, that's okay. And I don't care, but don't be mad at me because I want to turn over the rock and see, God, do you have something that you're trying to show us? God could have made a week, eight days, 10 days, 20 days. But he's showing some kind of a pattern. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, the day of man. Seven, the rest of God. Maybe he's trying to show us a thing. If we can just allow ourselves for, for a few minutes to look at this in this way, what was done, if it was done in six 1,000-year days bookended by evening and by morning. It will establish for us a scriptural precedence in a pattern of the way that God is going to treat humanity. It's interesting that the Lord entered into his rest and he never came back out of that rest except for one time. And we find it in John, the first chapter in the 14th verse. And the Logos of God became flesh and dwell among us. And we find it in, in, in 1 Timothy, the third chapter and 16th verse. And God was manifested in flesh. See, God was in his rest. But he comes out of his rest to become mankind with you and I. He comes out of the seventh day into the sixth day where man is created and he will stay there, but he still is the Lord of the rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is, hey, come unto me. I will give you rest. Is there any question about who he is tonight? Is there any question about what he did? He came out of his rest. And he came down to be with us in man's dimension. Now let me say this. In order to enter back into his rest, he will go through death and resurrection. Humanity does not enter into the rest of God void of death and resurrection. I don't care if you want to call that the coming of the Lord at the end day, but going into the grave, coming out of that grave. I like what Paul said. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And this mortal will put on immortality. In other words, if you're going to get to where he is, you're going to have to die and go through resurrection power to get where he is. In a moment... In a twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, I still believe that God is going to signal the end of all things by a trumpet. He will put it to the lip of the angel or whoever he has designed to do that. And it will call the end of all time. Listen, it's closing in. The end of time is upon us. 
I like the words that says that, that we shall, those that are alive and remain shall, shall be caught up to be with him together forever in the air. Amen. The promise of eternal life by Jesus Christ is to be resurrected from this life. Didn't Jesus, wasn't he the first fruit of resurrection? In order to be glorified, he must lay his life down. But he's going to pick it back up. But it's going to be through the power of resurrection. Don't lose that from the, the end of the world. Don't lose that from the coming of the Lord. What you're going to feel if you are alive and remain, you're going to feel the power of resurrection. You will be changed. This body will die. You will take on immortality in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. You shall be changed and you will feel the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so, after entering that day, I would call it a great regress to come back into the day of a man for a millennial reign. And now I'm going to get in trouble again. Millennial reign, rapture left behind, a return of the saints and Christ to rule the earth is just not scripturally sound. Peter, he debunks that. He says only one thing. Peter says, he says, scoffers are coming. They say, where is the coming of the Lord? Everything has remained just like it's been. Nothing's out of place. Everything's going just like regular. Where is this so-called coming of the Lord? But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. God is not slack concerning him. But he says, when this event happens, that there will be a burning, there will be a judgment of the wicked, there will be a burning of the elements, a burning of the earth, a burning of the heavens, it shall be dissolved. Now, if we come back to rain, that's a very terrible place to rain on. A briquette. See, Second Peter doesn't come under a whole lot of great scrutiny until after Darby and Schofield. Because they set up a scenario in which rapture happens, some people stay, some people go, the earth continues on as it was, and then after some period of time, the Lord comes back the second time, second, second time, and he fixes the world. But Peter says, no, I'm going to make it closer than that. He's going to fix it the first time, and he's going to take care of the issue the first time, but we shall be caught up with him. Amen. The scrutiny against Peter's book. First of all, they say that Second Peter is not authentic. That he really didn't write it. Now we start that business. Begin to revise the Bible, right? Revisionists go back and revise. Those that revise history, don't you love our history revisionists right now? They're going back, all of our heroes, they're nothing but bums. 
All of our presidents that we looked up to, no, they're, they're, not, they're terrible people. We're going we're gonna to tear down the mention of them, all statues. Everybody's terrible. Everything's terrible. All of our history's terrible. Listen, I don't go along with that route. I believe what those men that were there said about those men is true, not what men say today about those men. So don't take me to say that Peter did not write this book. In fact, Peter makes an address himself. He begins the book by saying, Peter, a servant of an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, just exactly like his first book. And then in the third chapter and the first verse, he says, the second epistle, beloved, I now write to you. I believe the book is authentic. Anybody out there with me believe that Peter's work is authentic? Say amen. The second scrutiny is that it doesn't align with Paul's writings. Oh, wait a minute. Where do we get that? Peter describes the event and what will happen to the earth and the heavens. Paul describes the event and the catching away before that destruction happens to the earth. They perfectly, perfectly dovetail together. One of them talks about the coming of the Lord. And the other one talks about the day of the Lord. And listen, those are the same thing. But really the book came under the most scrutiny because for 150 years of eschatology teaching and books and movies and money and people putting on putting on uh, uh, conferences and, and, and writing things and showing things and, and spending lots of money to get lots of money about this end time. But I believe that Peter was right. And what if this, morning, this evening, what if Peter was right? Does it make a difference? Yes, it totally makes a difference. If Peter was right, there's some things that have to come down. I believe Peter's right. And what if Peter is right connecting the days of the Lord? A thousand years is but a day with the Lord. Where does he get that? Probably has read it in the book of Psalm, probably. But, but if I can have the liberty to connect that God created possibly I believe what if God created in thousand-year periods and the determination for mankind was 6,000 years. I just see it clear. I, all of our preachers are bumping against the end time. What else can happen? What else can go wrong? We're to a place now where, like the Scripture said, that which is Wrong is right, and that which is right is wrong. If you believe in morality, you're wrong. If you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, you're wrong. If you believe that you're born a male or a female, you're wrong. And that's not just the United States of America. That is worldwide. We've lost even the sanctity of what humanity is even about. We're there to protect the rights of the gay. We're there to protect the rights of same-sex marriage. We're there to protect the rights of transgenders. We're there to protect the rights of people that don't even know what gender they are. But yet in the womb of our young ladies, there is no protection for that little innocent God-given life that's inside of them. And I say, God, how far does this go? Where do we end?
At what point? Brother Charlie talked to me and said, Pastor, what's the trigger point? And I wonder that with God. What's the trigger point? And here I am again. Lord, when it gets bad enough, then you're going to do something about it. But if I go to the beginning of time, God has already determined the end. So what happens between then and now? I'm telling you, a lot of things may happen, but God has designed an end. Amen and amen. Okay, now I'm going to take you down a little bit of a road. Can somebody get me my water? I left it right over there. Peanut, will you get it for me? Thank you. So, again, I don't intend, thank you, I don't intend to set up a date for the end of time. But what I do intend to do is alarm us just a little bit. HBU, the Houston Bible University, you can go there and look at this. It's called a Bible timeline, HBU. Listen to this very carefully, okay? I didn't write this. I'm, I, I did, but it's not mine. The first edition of King James Version by Matthew Carey in 1801 in Philadelphia contained James Usher's chronology of humanity in six ages. Adam to the flood, 1,656 years. The flood to Abraham, departure from Europe, Chaldeans, 422 years. From Abraham to Exodus, 430 years. From Exodus to the building of the first temple, 480 years. From building the temple to the, the Babylonish captivity, 419 years. Jerusalem restored after captivity, 70 years. And from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the birth of Jesus Christ in the 42nd year of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, 483 years, for a total of 3,974 years. In 1801, they said the total years of mankind in this Bible that Matthew Carey printed was 5,775 years. That was 1801. We're in 2021. Going to have to add 220 years to that sum. 5,995 years. Or take the 3974 and add 2021. 5,995 years. Well, somebody said, but you go with the Jewish calendar and and the Jews have it figured out some other way. But they didn't believe in the birth of Christ anyway. So I can't really go with them in history. They didn't believe in A.D. and in, in, in B.C. and A.D. If you believe that Christ was born in 3 B.C., which many do, that's going to take three more years away. That's going to be 5,998 years. If. Peter, what if he's right? You mean we've got five years? Well, I'm not saying that exactly. 
But if we believe the expansion of the lifetime of humanity is 6,000 years, we are laying right at the door. Now, you can walk away from here tonight. You can take it any way you want to. Say, my theology doesn't work that. That's fine. But God has designed an end from the beginning. And I'm going to tell you what, it is close upon us. I'm going to say what if again. What if? It's five years to the completion of humanity. Man, some people are going to go into despair right there. Panic and fear and worry, stress. This thing's going to be over in five. Well, maybe it's six. Maybe it's three. I don't know. But I don't see it being very much longer. And we look at the coming of the Lord, and we've got all these scenarios in our mind about beast and, and, and antichrist and all kinds of things going on in our mind and the charts and all that stuff. God has set a day. We don't know that day, but God has set a day and he's calling it the day of the Lord. Just like when he called it the day of the Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because the cornerstone, if you read the next verse, it was the cornerstone that they were talking about. That was the day that God designed. There is coming a day when God is going to burst the heavens and time will be no more. So let me ask you what you'd do if you only had five years left. I said, man, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm, there's a variety of responses. I think one of them would be, let's have all the fun we can have. Let's eat and drink and, and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. You know, it's like the, the kids at, at, at uh, the Disneyland or, or, or one of the theme parks, and they're getting ready to close it down. Hey, ride as many rides as you can ride because they're closing her down. I think some people would feel exactly that way. Get everything you can get out of life. The end of the earth is coming. And then we got all these preppers out there, and they're getting their guns together, and getting their food together. I'm going to tell you what. When God stops this thing, you're not going to need any food. You're not going to need any guns because God has designed it that those believe in him, they're not going to be here anyway. We're going out of this place. We're getting out of here. We're rising at the sound of the trumpet of God and we will ever be with him. Some people may be in resentment. I thought about this. Well, I want to get older. I, 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 I want to, to get married. Some of the young people looking at me like, man, I've lived this long. I want to get married at least, Lord. I don't know if I can find somebody in two years. That's... That, that may be a challenge for some of us, you know. Peter's exhortation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing this is the end, what way should we live? How long do you think we have? The church acts as though it's not even important. The church acts like, hey, it's all just going to pan out, you know, in the wash. Everything's going to be fine. Come on, everybody, let's just sing another song and kumbaya and stuff's going to be great. When God is bearing down on us the seriousness of the hour, can you say amen? And so Peter's answer to this is, 
How should we live in all holy behavior and godliness? So I'm put the final what ifs here. I've done a good job. It's only 848. I mean a good job in, in time. What if? What if? What if? Brother Nathan, what if we really believed your message and we took all the arrows out of our quiver and said, God, I don't know. Maybe we have two, three, five. I don't know how many years we got. And we begin to strike them in the name of the Lord and held back nothing. What, what would happen in our life if we said, God, I, I, I really believe along with Pastor Rodney that that really presenting my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. God, it's something that I need to do every day. It's not just some preaching point. It's not just some church thing. But God, what if I really enact that in my life? Brother Darren, what if I get to know that Jesus that's in the boat with me? What if I get to know something about him? The disciples just couldn't understand too much, and, and, and it took them a long time to come along. But, but what if we really begin to learn something about this great one that is in the boat with us, this one that is our Savior, this one our Redeemer, this one who has bought us out of the power? What if we, what if we really get to know him in these next couple years? What if we begin to place value on things above? Oh, Lord, I know you said, you know, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. That's a good quoting scripture. But what if we really felt that way? If we knew that we only had just a few years, would we really set our affections on heavenly things, eternal things, or would we continue to try and feed ourselves with the world. What if we poured ourselves into God's service? Just poured ourselves. I like that part. Just take all the, all, all the arrows out. Just take them all out. Everything I've got, Lord, I'm going to for these next few years. I'm going to dedicate and commit everything I am to you. What would happen to us? What would happen to us if we heeded the word of God? It said, as you see the day approaching, go to church more and assemble together more, not less. The trend of the church is to quit going to church, to quit being obligated to the house of the Lord or the people of God. Just, man, do your own thing. Go ahead. You're serving God on your own. I hate to burst your bubble today, but the Lord said, assemble yourself. Get together with the body of Jesus Christ. There's something there that you've got to have. There's ministry there that you need into your life. And so what would happen? What if we really begin to assemble ourselves and bond ourselves to the body of Jesus Christ? Something we believe, something we teach, something that we really hold on to in this place. It's important in this last days. I'm telling you, it's important to hold on to one another. Can you say amen? If you did these things, let me tell you something. You would be as ready as you can get. Oh, 
what do I got to do? What do I, I, I got to get ready. I only got a few years. What am I, what am I going to do about it? You do these things, and you're going to be ready as you can get. Man, Lord, I'm in your service. Lord, I'm connected to your things. Lord, I'm connected to your house. Lord, I'm connected to your body. Lord, I'm connected to your word. Oh, God, I'm going to walk it out and live it out. And having done all of these things in my life, if the Lord has not returned in the next five years, then all you need to do then is a recommitment for five more years. Maybe five more years. And in that way, we commit our life to Jesus Christ, not just right now, but we commit our life for the long run. Can you say amen? God, we're going to commit our life for the long run. I want all of our young people to understand something. That we're not here to live our life and then get old, and when we get old, we can come to the Lord. Don't make that mistake. There isn't a person in this building that that wouldn't say, an older person that wouldn't say, I wish I had come to the Lord sooner than I did. We're going to serve Jesus. We're going to serve Jesus. So what if, Pastor, you know, what if it is 6,000 years to the end? What if it's not going to change anything in my life if I keep dedicating? Can you say amen? I'm going to keep dedicating. Every one of you young people, say amen to that. I'm going to dedicate my life towards him continually, every single day. I think that theme has been through all this preaching every day. There's something about daily. There's something about I need him tomorrow. I need him the next day. But, God, when I wake up in the morning, that I've got to dedicate my life unto you and live it out unto you as if that is my last day. Can you say amen? Let me leave you with this final scripture. and. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I'm going to be, Lord, look over here. Mm -hmm. I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I don't know what a lot of people in churches and things and and, and big mega junk that's going on, their, their, their seriousness about God is just absolutely void. But, Lord, when you when you come, find faith here. Find faith down at Brother Mike's church and, and down in Corning. Lord, find faith in Guatemala. Find faith down with Brother Nathan. Lord, find faith there because we are going to strap it up. We're going to get ready. We're going to go just like we may not have more than a few years. We're going to go for God. We're going to give him our all. Can you say amen? God bless you. Would you stand tonight? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Would you come to the music. We're going to sing something to get ready to dismiss tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we ask you now. God, as we preach to what if, Lord, there's some open area there. We don't know for sure. But it seems like the end is approaching, Lord. Now is the time to get serious. Now's the time for dedication. I pray that everyone here tonight will just make that recommitment in their heart and their life that Jesus, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first in my life, first in my family, first in my job, first in my home.
gün 